Welcome to the Everyday Citizens Tactical Podcast, Episode 28, Night Vision, Budgets, and More. My name is Jeremy, and as always, I'll be your host. Today I'm joined by Chance from GP Armory and Midwest Preparedness Center. Chance comes from the law enforcement community and oversees government operations and training at both GP Armory and Midwest Preparedness Center. Today, we're going to discuss various topics related to night vision and its accessories, as well as a few side conversations along the way. So, sit back, hide your credit cards, and enjoy. Tell me turn it down and I'ma only turn up louder. Yeah. Call me what you wanna, but you can't call me no coward. Yeah. Shrink the numbers, we the people, still the ones with power. Fighting fire with fire, time to take back what is ours. Tell me turn it down and I'ma Welcome back to the podcast, everybody, and Chance, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. I have uh, was kind of excited after meeting you a couple weeks ago when you asked me to come on. I was kind of excited, so appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. You know, I listened to your, your night vision demo uh, and you know, just came down and saw you at one of your classes on day two, and I was like, this guy has a, this guy has a personality. I was like, I'm bringing that guy on. And it worked out perfect because I don't have a night vision episode yet. So I'm excited oh, to talk perfect. About it. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, excited to talk a lot. There's a, there's a lot of information out there and hopefully we'll just be able to, you know, kind of one of the things I like to bring is a little bit more of a, Hey, uh, this is, this is stupid. Don't listen to that. Or this is this. Cause I'm not a sales guy. I just been able to be involved in this world a little bit. Sure. So I hope you're prepared to be bashed in the comments by anybody who thinks they know better. Oh man, you know what? Bring it on because I don't read comments. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I'm read. Too, so this works I'm too dis- I'm too dyslexic, and I've got too many kid books I read for my baby for my uh, my kiddos that I'm too I'm too busy trying to figure out my kid's um, math homework he's bringing home from sixth grade. <laughs> like I get it. Man, colors are it's hard. different. Yeah, colors are hard, right? And I'm like, when they start putting numbers in this or whatever, Bill Ingball said them a long time ago. So yeah, no man, I'm excited. I'm excited. Let's let's dive into this. So for those who you know aren't familiar with you, never taken a class from you, you know, just tell us a bit about Chance, who you are, what you're about, and you know where you come from. Awesome. Um, yeah, my name's Chance. Um, man, I'm from the Kansas City area, Kansas City, Missouri. Um, got a got an awesome family and been involved in the tactical community. Um, I'm a law enforcement officer. I've been involved in the law enforcement tactical community for a long time. And I've uh, been able to do some stuff, see some stuff, get a couple t-shirts and wear them out. So, uh, I got involved in night vision a long time ago, um, being issued stuff on the night vision realm. So never used it overseas, never served overseas, but, um, used it quite a bit, um, in the law enforcement realm. And, but I know a lot of that is a different aspect. I know a lot of your audience is the citizen side. So a lot of when I'm teaching my night vision classes to civilians, a lot of it is based around, use of force i guess mm-hmm. it's super cool it's super fun to have the you know be able to have a superpower one's like well let's actually apply this and you know a lot of buying guides because uh, i'm 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 still a cop in the kansas city area but um i'm the operations director for a night vision company called gp armory so he brought me on to run all the night vision um government contract side government contracts um but i do all my training through the gp armory stuff so i'm not the sales guy so i'm I'll be straight up with you saying, Hey, that that's stupid. Don't do that. Or, Hey, yeah, do this because it's better just, and everything is in my opinion. So, so I mean, that's a little bit about me. Um, spent some time under, there's definitely lots more people that have spent a lot more time, um, 
underneath underneath nods and me just I was able to kind of grasp into principles and procedures of how to utilize it. And since then, I've now formed um, some really cool applicable trainings um, just with some unique uh, aspects that I, I learned in my professional world. So it's a little bit about me and who I am. Awesome. And you, uh, you guys recently opened up, is it a Midwest Preparedness Center? Yep, Kansas City's got a shoot house now. We've got a sim house. Uh, it's called yeah, it's called Midwest Preparedness Center. It's just south of Kansas City, and we are a full sim house. Um, we have classroom. We offer medical, all sorts of. We really drive home that preparedness side. So we're not just like a tactical thing. Um, to be honest, the word tactical is kind of the word moist to me. At least uh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And I am involved in it, if that makes sense. So it kind of is, uh, it, it doesn't really make sense that the word tactical bothers me so much, but it does. So, so yeah, Midwest Preparedness Center, we um, do law enforcement, military training, but we do a whole bunch of civilian classes and it's all based on a lot of it is going to be night vision centric. We want a place that people can come and at noonday, uh, when we built it and designed it, you could be, we can host our, I've got night vision classes coming up and they are in the morning and do the afternoon. And we can do that because it's designed to be able to have all ambient light taken away. Well, that's so. awesome. Cause I know definitely one of the things we're going to get into later is the training side, but one thing that just came to mind when we're talking about this, you know, do you, what's your initial thoughts on the ATF's recent ruling with, um, simunition and UTM's letter they put out, you know, it's stupid. How, how does that, how does that kind of affect you guys? No, it, it, so it does. I mean, it, it does and it doesn't, it's hard for us. We can't do a lot of force on force at our facility for insurance purposes regarding simunitions and UTMs. Now, we do have unit solution rifles. People can bring in their airsoft rifles. There's these comp there's a bunch of different companies like Umarex, I think, is one of them. So we will do force on force, but um, the problem is, is I mean, to, all right, here you go. It doesn't really affect us that much because the ATF is going to do whatever they want, over overstretch a lot of whatever they want to do, and not a whole lot you can deal with it. So... We just are going to find a way around it. You know, I learned a long time ago that you can either bitch and complain about something, you cannot do anything, or you can find a solution. And so we've decided to find a solution. And the best way we've done that is there's other companies out there that are up and coming, and we're going to utilize and give them our business and keep uh, our, all of our simunition stuff is going to be done for military law enforcement. Because here's the thing, man. Here's People I, I get, be outraged at the ATF for overstepping their bounds, but at the end of the day, Dude, civilians don't want to be training with simunitions and UTMs anyway. Just for this sole purpose, it's expensive. And we are not going to be taking that expense for our classes. We're going to build, if we're going to do it, we're going to build it into the, uh, the cost of the class because it's $1.25 a round to, to pull the trigger. Sure. We can't afford that as a business. So we would then enact it to the students. So each class would probably go up you know, anywhere between 60 to 120 rounds, depending on how much shooting we're going to do. So in essence, it really, sh I mean, let's be outraged at the ATF for overstepping their tyrannical bounds, right? But on the business side of it, it doesn't make sense. We use it all the time in military and law enforcement because it's not our dollar to buying it. It's taxpayer dollars. Okay. Sure. So my opinion on it is ATF is a tyrannical stretch of the government. And they don't need to be around. And I've got buddies and I've worked around ATF agents and those guys are some of the best patriotic Americans I've ever met. 
like no joke they're the ones who say yep but they understand what their main role is and responsibility they're not, they're not the guys that are enacting that and i get it everybody's gonna be like ah if you support one you support them all you know what these guys were dad game americans and i went to I, I did a lot of crazy stuff with them and they were awesome so but in all reality the ATF doesn't need to be around. They're overstepping their boundaries. And that's just one more example that they have no reason to do that. There is no, there's no justified reason in any way, do in any way, shape or form for that ruling, in my opinion, but they're doing it because times are getting tough and world's getting crazier. So you make a good point. It definitely does seem like trainings with UTMs for civilians in the past have been somewhat cost prohibitive to the average civilian. Um, I know me and my local guys, we go up to Midwest Shooting Center, which is in Ohio, uh, but we're not paying, you know, I, I instruct everything we do, so we're not paying like a company to come in plus travel fees. We're buying directly from Midwest, the ammo that's not like yeah. yep. going through stuff. But yeah, I mean like, hell, you pay 700, 900, over $1,000 to go to like a two-day force-on-force style class. And Correct. the majority of it's going to be ammo. You're right. I mean, Correct. It is expensive. It is it's expensive. expensive. Yeah, and the big thing at MPC or our, our training center is our normal our normal cost of our classes are going to be about 150 200 bucks maybe, and that's for the full that's for the full class. And we do that because we want repeated customers. We want people to, if you train with us this month, we want you guys being able to afford to come back in a month or two to come back and continue learning. I dude, I did the whole training thing where I, and I'm not putting any of my buddies down with how and what they're doing, but one of the biggest things we were hearing at the end of our courses were, man, I wish we had more. And it's like, well, man, that was a lot of money for you to come to two days. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, is a lot of these principles have to be done over time. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, I've been doing this for a long time and I'm still learning stuff. So we want to have some sort of a learning model and uh, a learning model that it would be continued, uh, continued stuff. Okay. Now, hang on. And we're back. Sorry, guys. Brief pause. Uh, Chance, I'll let you pick back up where you were at. You guys were you were talking about uh, training courses and how you guys have been developing them, developing them with Midwest and whatnot. So I'll let you pick back up where you were at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that, guys. All right. So when we designed, um, what I saw in the industry in the last couple of years was there's a, a lot of money that uh, you know a lot of guys want to learn some of this stuff. A it's got to be done in a way that's effective and applies to, as a skill set rather than just spending a lot of time and energy and learning it as a hobby. And what I mean by that is it's good to have hobbies, but the stuff that we're all wanting to learn and teach and grow with, it's it's a big deal. I mean, it's real life. It's, it's, it's not a game to learn how to be proficient in the use of your firearm. I mean, this is a, it's a big deal, right? So that being said, um, I learned that there's a lot of costs that students were incurring. And I'm like, man, I like for the classes that I started doing, I'm like, man, this is a lot of money just to come to the club, just to like for our tuition, let alone we've had, I mean, I was in Utah and we had a dude that was like, Hey, um, I drove to this class from Iowa and I'm like, dude, you know, we're in Kansas city. <laughs> like, why don't you just come down to one there? He goes, Oh man, I didn't, uh, you guys didn't have one in this, uh, in the next couple months. And I'm like, so you drove cross country for this class and he's like yeah and i'm like and i i I think i can't remember like i think i was like dude i just we give him a refund just because we're like dude if you drove all the way out here for that like man that's a big deal right 
So in that at, at MPC, we're trying to control a lot of that where we want our we want our students, we want everybody to come and have a good place to train in. You know, our motto is um, affordable training, professional environment. Nice. Um, we wanted to be able to come back and learn something this time, learn something next time, learn something the next time. I've been I've been in courses, I've trained in different places, and I've had incidents, you know, real life experiences that were mimicking the same thing that I've seen a bunch of times, but I learned something new. So uh, we want we, we want a place, we want a facility that people can come continually back and know that A, they're going to get good training, B, that it's a good environment, that they're going to be around other good people, like-minded people, and that they're going to get something out of it, and that they're going to get value for whatever their money is, because naturally we're a business, so we want their money in the sense that we want to keep our dream and our passion going, which is empowering, helping, teaching, instructing, and building people to being prepared for whatever they they want it to be. Sure. So I think that's one thing that some people are kind of coming around to realizing, but since the 2A community has kind of changed since, I say 2018, but really more significantly since 2020s, some people are starting to realize that as a civilian, you're never going to be as proficient as you want to be Man, across the board. It's I, just, it's not, the, the time is not there. You're not training four or five days a week, being paid to do so with unlimited resources and multi-million dollar facilities. It's just not there. Well, I hate to break it to you, man, but that's not just for the Second Amendment community. Um, that's that, that mindset is, will always be there. Sure. I think I think I'm pretty good at what I do, um, but I'll tell you this: I'm always wanting to be better. I'm always surrounding myself with people who are better. I'm always comparing myself. You know, actually, I was talking about this today with a bunch of guys. So I'm teaching in you know at the T uh, Tactical Officer Association. I'm teaching a bunch of cops, and we're talking about it. We're like, man, it's this principle of professional versus amateur, and the mindset is: I would rather be an amateur amongst professionals than a professional amongst a bunch of amateurs meaning i'm not an amateur of what i'm doing but i want to be i don't want to be the strongest person around me i don't want to be the best i want to make sure that i'm surrounded by people so i'm continually growing sure yeah, and continue to be challenged yeah and so it, so what you're saying man it's that's not just a two a thing of like man we just want to be better we need to no that's forever that's to me that's the mindset that's what i teach my son my sons when they're talking about sports and stuff i'm like you guys will never be you know it's a it's a it's a fact of life of good people you'll um i think there was this really good quote it was like lazy people do the minimal amount and think that they should be winning and um hard workers or i forget how the quote was but it's basically like hard workers or winners work as hard as they can and still think that they're being lazy meaning they're always trying to be better and to me that's what a lot of this is it makes a lot of these good people that i meet so great is they're not comfortable with the status quo they're always trying to push themselves to be a better father or a better spouse better you know all of better father figure better mentor better worker you know that's what we really try and talk about in our civilian classes are you know you're going to learn this stuff and the percentage that you're going to use this in the real world is probably going to be in the the decimals of you know zero but these principles can be learned and applied in your professional life either whether you're a manager whether you're this is a lot of this is accountability leadership um 
you know, mentorship, uh, morals, that kind of stuff we really try and see. Because, I mean, if you're going to carry a gun morally and ethically, you've got to be prepared for a lot of what that's going to be if you have to use it. And you do that by preparing yourself now. How do you prepare yourself now? You own what the responsibilities are. You go and invest in what you need to do, and it prepares you for it. So that way, when your time comes, if your time comes, you are as best prepared as you can. Well, if you can apply that in the business world or, you know, what, it doesn't matter if you are running, you know, the cashier at a Costco or, you know, a, a inventory manager of a warehouse. It's like you're over people. You have stewardship. You have um, people who rely on you, depend on you. You have a mission. You have missions, uh, mission operation stuff that you're supposed to be doing. So here's a way of always and maybe approaching that a little bit. And it's just a fun way of people. And we hear it a lot. You know, it's like, man, I never would have thought about that. And it's like, well, you know, it's just a way of looking at it. And that's all it is. So, and but the big thing is, is that we don't, we we very much stress that we don't cheapen um, the realism or the uh, the danger level of, um, you know, we don't want people coming thinking that they're just getting an experience. I know I just said that when, in all reality, if you're coming to us, we're going to be like, hey, this stuff is really dangerous. Like, if you really, you know, this isn't just a game that you know you can hit the reset button on you know this is this stuff's really dangerous you know you pray that this will never happen because if you do this will be life-altering life-changing and it could scar if it goes bad it'll you know change everything but even if it goes well it'll still probably scar you mentally or people around you mentally for a long time because traumatic events produce just that trauma and trauma everybody processes trauma differently some people hold it in some people it doesn't affect and some people man it eats at them and it and it withers their soul and their morals away because they don't know how to process it so it's a big deal you know it's, it's kind of that heavy stuff when we're talking about this like yeah we've had fun and games and we best part about being american is we can pull the trigger a lot at paper targets and it's like man when that thing is flesh and blood you don't get that back you know, so you don't you don't get to have that like, hey, that was fun. Slap hands. It's like, man, you pull that trigger. That's it, man. That's a big deal. You're gonna have law enforcement breathing down your neck. You're gonna have judges. You're gonna have lawyers. You're gonna have a lot of people there to get a piece of you because you now have essentially committed a crime, which is it's called homicide. Homicide is the taking of somebody else's life. What they're gonna be doing is taking you now before somebody and saying, was this justified or not? And if it's just because, then that's what you got to do. It's like, man, if you're not ready for that, here's the thing, man. And I know we're getting a little off topic, but that's here's right. it's, on the roll. yeah, here's um, even being prepared for that. I think I'm a pretty good student of it, um, and being um, it, you still can't prepare for the whole aspect of it. And this is where I talk to a lot of my buddies in the military um, who have. They've killed a lot of people, man. Killed a lot of people. Okay, and and, and this is going to be something kind of heavy, but understand that I'm trying to build a foundation. I guess it's just this stuff isn't a freaking game. Even preparing as much as you can for it, you can never prepare enough. And a lot of it, especially if you do something here, Conus or in the United States, you know it's it's going to eat at you. Did I do enough? Um, there's going to be a lot of like, man, how much trouble am I going to be in? What's the legal battles? I t you know, we teach, uh, there's three battles. 
to a gunfight. And the first one is the gunfight, and that usually takes statistically 10 seconds or less. Okay, but you're going to have a spiritual battle you'll battle for the rest of your life, and you're going to have a, a legal battle you'll battle probably potentially for years to come. The thing about the 2A community is that there are organizations, multi-million dollar organizations out there that are so bent and putting all that money into taking somebody's, you know, um, to coming after you legally, whether you were justified or not, because they are so adamant of being against people having the rights to defend themselves that they're going to come after you legally afterwards. And now you have to be able to, um, you know, take yourself before the court of public opinion. You've got to be able to take yourself and you've got the legal fees of lawyers and all of this stuff because why? Because we want the we want that right, that Second Amendment sacred right of that right to defend ourselves. And if you are not mentally prepared for it, it will be a ride that will mow you over and will catch you unprepared. And it's it's just one of those like it, it should be looked at as like a sacred a sacred uh, the the Second Amendment should be looked at as a as a sacred um, right that we have. And if it's something if I consider something sacred, man, I'm going to treat it that way. That means it's not just something I casually, um, you know, possess. I want to make sure I treat it like that. So, man, that's kind of deep. You know, that's kind of diving into the deep, the deep <laughs> side of it. But um, it's I, I really try to to drive that home because I've I've been a part of the legal side of it. Um, you know, I've been a cop for a long time, and I've been a part of that legal side, and I'm very much in the majority with a lot of those cops out there that the Second Amendment is there for a reason, and we have to defend it just the same way we defend everybody else from all the other rights. But I've seen how the weight of what opposition can come against people, and it's not, I mean, they don't give a crap about who you are. They don't give a crap about how much taxes you pay. They don't, nothing. And what's coming down on you, it is a full locomotive that is in full bore and it will not stop. So the best way to prepare for that is doing it now just in case something happens later. So, all right, that's my theory, that's my theology, and that's my deep my deep thoughts for you, Jeremy. <laughs> that, was, that was deep, but it was good. It was well said. So that's a little Go bit on. about, yeah, man, that's just a little bit about what we're trying to do at MPC, I guess, is, you know, we're not just going to be saying, hey, throw your kid on, throw your rifles and throw your nods and everything on. Let's just go have fun. It's like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Dude, there is, dude, there is an, a very important aspect to having fun with that. You know why? Because, dude, it's freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. It really is. There's no ground. There's no getting around. It is awesome. And it's a lot of fun. But we need to make sure that we're not, we're not losing sight of, it because we think and we're kind of playing a little bit of make-believe aka that's what training is you are make-believing a scenario just in case it were to come so we just have to be wary that we're doing it in a way that is practical if we really you know it's practical it's trainable it's adaptable and it's repeatable so so we all get something out of it there's the fun part of it so awesome (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's transition over to kind of our main topic being night vision. And obviously there's there's so much content on night vision and the evolution of night vision and all that kind of stuff. So we're not going to dive, you know, deep into the history of night vision. But Good, I don't know to... I don't know the history of night vision. I mean, <laughs> I can tell you a little bit about like Gen 1, Gen 2 stuff, Vietnam, sure. um, that kind of stuff, but um 
you kind of told me a little bit about it, and I kind of had some little talking points prepared that I think, uh, you know, a, a unique way that whenever I give people this analogy or a couple of these things, people are like, man, I've never thought about it like that. And I'm like, well, there you go. There's a little yes. bit. So let's dive into kind of where the modern night vision realm is at. And not for, you know, the agency with unlimited funding, rock and quads, but, you know, just even your basic, you know, suburban police department, your civilian getting in a night vision, you know, where, where are we kind of at right now with where night vision stands? So it's funny. Everybody wants quads. Everybody wants quads, right? Why does everybody want quads? They look cool. They look cool. Um, so I was never issued quads. I got buddies who were issued quads, um, stateside and overseas. And very, very rarely. Um, so th they have a place and, um, here, the guys that I know that are issued both 31 alphas and quads, guess what a majority of the time they're, they're running? Not the quads. Not the quads. They're big, they're bulky. Um, you know, they, man, they're looking cool. And I'll tell you what, that whole field of view thing, it really is pretty awesome. But, um, very impractical for a lot of the stuff, at least that we were doing. Um, and then, um, same with them. So they run their 31 alphas the majority of the time. So, all right, so where are we at? I guess there's a lot. Um, right now, so the analogy I'll give people is like, here's how um, when they're getting into it, there's a lot of lot of letters that are always stacked in sequential order, of, and they all mean different things, right? Mm -hmm. ARNVGs, BNVGs, GPNVGs, um, uh, LLU21s, um, PVS31 alphas, PVS15. You know, there's all of these letters and numbers thrown together, and it almost looks like a dadgum Morse code that were like what in the like i remember when we were first buying stuff i was like what does all of this mean i don't get it so here's breaking it down here's a little bit of what helped me this is how um i'll, I'll break it down if i were to stack a whole bunch of trucks in a parking lot and you understand that i am simplifying this in a way that is not a hundred percent contextually accurate but it's the best way for a majority of people. This is a great way of understanding uh, what night vision is, like the housings and everything. We're talking about the actual mechanical, physical specimens of night vision. Okay. If I were to stack up a whole bunch of trucks and I have an F-150, a Dodge, Chevy, GMC, Titan, you know, all of the trucks in a parking lot, every one of them looks a little bit different. Brand, And I'm talking brand new models, dude. All right. Every one of them looks different. Everyone has different features and stuff like that inside. You get inside and everybody's like, man, I like the F-150. I like the Dodge or whatever. Right. But and if though and that is going to represent all of the different housings out there. So there's two main pa um, aspects of night vision. You have the tubes, which is going to be the actual device inside that allows you to see in the dark. OK. And the housing is going to be the way or the contain or the things that contain and how that is attached to the helmet and functions and provides all of the mechanical um, computers and switches and illuminators and all that stuff. That's the housing. So you have the tubes, which is green, the green foss, white foss and elbits and stuff, right? Then you have the housing, which is all the ways of that carries that. So in that parking lot, all those trucks are going to represent the housings. AKA GTNVS, PVS 31 alphas, UL 21s, um, ARNVGs. I'm going to get them all wrong. And I'm going to have these companies like, man, this guy didn't mention us. So, um, 
BNVD, B, and I can't see, and I can't even remember all of them. Okay. Um, but there's a lot of different housings. Now, you pop open the hoods, and every single one of them is going to be the exact same, the exact same engine, and the exact same transmission. Meaning, you have green FOSS, white FOSS, and Elbits. And then, so in all this different stuff with, and here's the thing, I know all your readers are going to be, or your listeners are going to be like, man, there's all these other different things too. It's like, no, I'm not going to be talking about Photonist Gen 2 Plus and stuff like that. I'm talking if I am going to go to war, or if I'm going to be stepping off in a professional re- in a realm, I'm going to be choosing something that I'm going to I'm going to depend my life on and depend my buddy's life on, and I won't do that on Gen Two Plus Photonist stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So in that, you choose the housing and then select which tubes. Like GP Armory, what what I loved about what GP Armory did is we are an L3 tube L3 tubes dealer. So we get, we have a, we got a big contract with L3 that we fulfill every month and that's, and we build our own tubes. So we find housings and stuff like that and we build our own tubes. So in that, basically you have all the different chassis of trucks and underneath is the exact same. So Jeremy, you like, I like the body of the F-150 and my like my set right now i have l3 filmless tubes inside of these new ones that i'm trying out which are done by low light innovations and they're called ultralight 21s ul 21s okay the tubes in there are 2700 fom okay which is we're not going to get into all of that because i it's all of the different stuff and i mispronounce some of it sometimes so they can go read all of the different fom and uas and stuff like that and Noise to, um, noise to, God dang, um, and noise, uh, noise to sound ratio and all of that stuff, right? In fact, um, Chip with TNVC had a great, fantastic podcast with, uh, the guy that does all the NRAs, like Colin Noir or whatever. Great podcast, fantastic breakdown, and he does a lot better at it than I do. You there? Yeah. Okay. Kind of quiet, but I got you. Okay, so he does a lot better at it than I do um, um, on all of that stuff. But as far as like the explanation of it goes, I have in my possession up in my hotel room right now, I have DTNVSs, uh, I have Katanas, PVS31 Alphas, UL21s, the metal ARNVGs, um, and, I th- and I've got a PVS14. Every single one of them internally are L3 filmless white FOSS tubes. They're the exact same. FOM is almost identical. Okay, the housing's different. DTNVSs have built-in illuminators. PVS31 alphas have the uh, the uh, the adjustable gain. Right. Um, certain ones have rear um, ocular adjustments and forward ocular adjustments and stuff like that. Some have external battery packs. Some don't. Some require. You know, there's all of these different features. But inside, you pop the hoods on those trucks. Inside of them, they're all the exact same. So, pick your tubes, pick your housings, and there's and that's how a lot of it works. So, if they're like, well, what's the difference between the Katanas and the DTNVSs? The housing is the only thing that's different. The tubes are the same. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. So, um, so that was something that I'm like, oh, I never like when I was getting into this and understanding it. I was getting so mixed up in all of the different stuff where I'm like, no, they are the exact same underneath the hood. Just the bodies are different. 
obviously you've been around long enough for before white phosphorus was really a big thing and you've you probably rocked green professionally in the past. wow yeah well yeah <laughs> came at you hot there <laughs> <laughs> yeah my first thing i was issued was a green a green 14 do you uh do you have a preference between green and white phosphorus yeah no no question white's better for me um here so here better. so let's go over some like man if i can remember all of them i kind of whenever i'm doing these classes and stuff i have these little nuggets that i have i try and drop here and there and I'll, let's try and go through some of them and i call them hollywood myths and tricks and this is a great example green foss is better than none sure okay i would rather have dual green foss than a single white foss 14 Okay. Uh, all day. It's, it's that to me, it's that important. Um, I would rather have, uh, now I'm going to have some people kind of hit me at this and remember, this is all my opinion. And if people shut me off, then that's fine. But remember, this is just my professional, personal opinion. I would rather have good quality green foss over Elbit tubes. And I'm not saying Elbit white foss. I don't know all the, Elbit is so new that the reason why I say green foss over Elbit is because green foss has been tried and tested and true. Sure. Okay. Elbit, I've been there and I've seen students, I've had hands on with a lot of, there's a lot of, um, so the, um, it's called noise. So if I'm looking in a completely dark room, there's no ambient light. You see the freckles or you see the specks of everything dancing on your on your screens or on your uh, on your tubes, right? Well, that's the noise. Under low light ambient um, low light ambient settings, Elbit tubes tend to have a lot more noise um, than green tubes. Green tubes are a lot more clear. So, this is a personal opinion if i was given the exact same two the exact same housings but high quality green 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 foss over elbit i would take green all day and again that's just my personal opinion personal opinion um but if i had the um if i had to choose my yeah it's l3 filmless all day on all night all day all day and all night pun intended right i feel like the filmless the white phosphorus filmless is just Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. It's such a nice picture. Let's talk about that. Filmless or filmed. Let's talk about that. Filmless or filmed. I can't think of any. Okay, so we deal in that stuff, right? So we can do that. I can't think of a single incident where the. Because here's what. Okay, and I'm trying to remember. Like, this is how much it doesn't affect or isn't a part of my professional life now that I'm doing and outfitting and training people in this. Now, granted, I'm not saying. I'm the best at this. All I'm saying is I've, I've found a lot of these principles that are um, effective in my professional realm. Okay. I can't think of anybody that really debates filmed or unfilmed. I have a theory that filmed came from somebody asking for it and it being like, no, that's stupid. We don't need that. Or there's some sort of a contract or somebody came and said, we, we, we need this. And all it is is just, you know, t- basically it adds some life to or it, it uh, helps filter out some of the light that goes into into your knots. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I don't ever foresee that that is where I need it. I would rather control that by throwing on daytime caps, and we're going to get to daytime caps here in a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, L3 Filmless is the gold standard. And what's cool, and I'll throw a little pitch out to our company, is, man, you can actually contact Garrett or I, and you can pick your own. Like, you can actually say, we'll send you the, like, copies of the, the um, spec sheets, and you can pick your own tubes. And then, you know, pick your housing, pick your tubes, and you can pick your own set out. Essentially, kind of like, we'll, we'll custom make your set for you, which is kind of cool. Nice. I mean, like, we have pre-built sets. 100% we have pre-built sets. Mm -hmm. But, dude, yeah, if you're like, man, all of this isn't, man, well, hey, contact us, and we can build your own set for you. Nice. So that's kind of cool. That's actually what I did with mine. I sold my pair. I sold my 31 alphas, um, and pocketed the extra money and I picked out. And so my UL 21s are like 2,700 FOM. And I have another set of 31s with my professional job. Like the fact of with GP armories that travel with me and continually, I'm like, Hey, look through these. Now look through these, which one is better. And it's like, I can't tell the difference. And it's like, exactly. Because inside the internal stuff are the exact same. Sure. So, so my name is Joe Schmo. And I got a little bit of Christmas money left over, and I want to get into the night vision game. You know where? Love this what question. Price, what price point before mounts and lasers? Okay. Am I looking at for a, just a decent Gen three tube? Okay, so let's talk. Let's talk. By, and this is again in my opinion. If I were to, if I get asked this a lot, the first thing you want to put your money to is stuff that you can use during the day and stuff that you can use during the night. Mm -hmm. So making sure you have a good light, make sure you have a good rifle and making sure you have a good suppressor suppressors. You can, it'll benefit you during the daytime, nighttime. Okay. Start your, like get the suppressor, throw your $200. We already talked about how fun the ATF is, right? Throw your $200 ATF thing in there and then you just forget about it. And so while that's in jail, you can now start accumulating that budget towards other stuff. So outfit your stuff with things that will complement you during the daytime and nighttime. Okay. okay. Um, and, a, and a white light, a good white light is something that is absolutely applicable during the daytime because, um, again, I've done stuff where I'm going from daytime to darkness or going from outside to inside. And very much is, um, yeah, white light is, is a very important tool. So, um, uh, recommend recommendations for white light. Stay away from, uh, stream my TLR ones. If you've got my, one of my biggest pet peeves is how much cops put TLR ones on their rifles. Cause you have a, you have a, a, a pistol light that was designed for maybe, maybe 40 yards with the, um, on a weapon that's ballistically capable out to, you know, 800 yards. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, outfit it with something that'll allow you to at least see in distance someplace, or at least allow that, um, Candela is more important than lumens. So get something that now, you know, I was, I've been around enough to remember that watching all the shot show stuff of, Hey, this is 800 lumens. Now this is a thousand lumens. Now it's 16,000 lumens. And it's like, well, all that does is just in all reality is cast a lot of shadows. You know, it goes out and does fine. It caches a lot of shadows. Mm -hmm. I want something to be able to focus right where I'm looking at so I can know what is that right there. So, um, you know, my, that's what mod, made mod light famous. Um, they did a really good job kind of upgrading the standard ish. Um, the standard cloud defense has really good lights. Um, but then again, I've switched all those out, man, in that new surefire turbo and I don't get anything from these companies. 
Um, and I've spent all of my own money on it, but I've switched out all my rifle lights and my pistol lights to the Surefire Turbo. They are just awesome. They're that they're they're awesome. But that again, just get whatever you get whatever's um, get whatever's you know put something on your rifle that's going to be great during the day and night. So, all right, next get a good optic and i like risers i know it seems like right now there's like this whole stupid bs with it seems like the the instagram community kind of gets wrapped up in of like hey sling you know my necklace or am i swimming into my sling is it recce rifle or not recce you know i can't keep up with them and i don't want to but right now there's like well you don't need risers because kyle lamb on a video with dirty civilian was like man i can do it the same it's like yeah you can but it doesn't mean that that's not ideal now, granted, we're kind of getting out of hand with having six-inch risers and stuff like that, but make sure you have a good op good optic and a fairly good riser. And, you know, all the different things out there with Unity, um, Scaleworks, and Overbore, man, these are all staples and great great buying choices. Just make sure that it's, it's right for you. So all of that stuff translates to daytime and nighttime. Now let's get into your question. <laughs> so that's my little thing about like, that's my little thing. Um, I've had people show up with nods with no, with, with, with $50 Amazon lights on their, on their rifles. And I'm like, how do you have an 8,000 set of nods and you've got a $50 light? It's because they, you know what I mean? It's like, man, put it, put it to where it's most needed. Okay. So Joe Schmell budget, man. Um, I know everybody say, man, get a 14, get a 14. And I'm like, cool. If that's all you can afford for the next foreseeable future, get a 14. However, we are constantly hit up by people saying, hey, can I trade in my 14 for a set of duels? Sure. So, yes, you can. Contact Garrett. Um, contact Garrett. Hit him up on IG. Um, but understand, we're going to treat it kind of like a pawn shop. I mean, we're not going to give you what if you know, go sell it on TaxWap. We're not going to buy it from you. We're taking it off of you in trade so we can sell it make some money off of it and we'll give you credit towards a set of duels sure that is like garrett sometimes wants to pull his hair out with how much he, he hears that and the reason why i'm telling you that is because everybody's being told if you can't get nothing get a 14 okay mm. do you ride motorcycles uh no okay I ride horses remember Oh, that's right. You ride horses. Okay. Um, Which I've I rode, done under knots and is awesome. Uh, dude, dude, that's some gangster stuff. That's gangster. <laughs> Man, that's straight gangster. Now, have you done other stuff under knots? That yes. is even more gangster. Yes. Especially if she doesn't have knots. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, that being said, all right. So, a lot of people out there are saying, hey, get a 14, get a 14 if you can. And I'm like, okay. If you can have some patience and understand that the world's not going to go to a hand, hell in a handbasket in the next six months, you can budget stuff, do stuff, sell stuff in order to accumulate some of that money you need to buy once, cry once. And the motorcycle analogy is I was when I was looking like, hey, for my first motorcycle, it was like, hey, get a Honda, uh, a Honda Rebel 250. Or I was like, no, I'm not. That's a girly bike. I'm like, okay, get a Harley Davidson Sportster 883. It's a good beginner bike. I got I got a mid level bike, and you know, I don't know what I, I realized within about a month and a half of it. wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. Okay, so here is in my opinion, you should never go into debt. You should never go into unnecessary debt. Okay. Because we do stuff for debt, for points and stuff like that. So 
understand I'm, I'm going to give the caveat of unnecessary debt. Sure. Don't, don't go into unnecessary debt. Okay. But save your money and you can afford a good set of dual tubes. Okay. Meaning, um, a great thing we're running for a little bit. Um, right now these ul 21s man we have some stuff coming down with them again i don't get anything from them i just know what they're doing and on the business side of it and i'm kind of bringing them in with us i'm like these guys are doing it right so um find an affordable way of doing it save up your money and buy once cry once um dude right there at that um when you and i met at that night vision demo we had dudes coming up with 14s and they're just like, man, there's just not even a comparison. I'm like, I know. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. So save up a little bit. And you know what? We live in a society that drives home, buy it now, buy it now, buy it now. And it's like, actually, how about a principle that I was taught, which is budget, save, work hard. And then when you get it, you cherish it that much more. And now for the next two years or three years or four years, Hey, hang on one second. Hey, Tyler, I thought that was you on the scooter. It's me on the scooter. All right. right Well, I'm on a podcast. Go away. Go away. (laughs) Oh, man. Sorry about that, man. These are good dudes. I literally thought this guy was just riding down the scooter. All right. Anyway, you're going to edit that out. That's fine. So the whole point of it is is don't go out of – don't go in debt for a set of nods. But why don't you save up for a little bit? Because once you work hard, save up, sell some of those safe coins that you had that you bought and you haven't used or worked with or anything like that. Or maybe sell your car that you know you you've got a huge payment on that car. Well, if you put four or five hundred bucks away and drive a, a a mediocre car, okay, guess what? Save that money up, and now in six to eight months, you can buy a set of L three filmless white Foss tubes, white Foss tool, dude, that. Yeah tubes and now you are ready to go with your own set of nods okay and i can't be a financial advisor but i can tell you i trends i see is everybody wants it and wants it now and they're more likely to settle for something because they they want to imitate or um, they want to imitate something and now they're left with a subpar product while there could have been other ways they could have problem solved and gotten that so general general ballpark from inocular and then duels. What are we looking at? Um, see again, man. I'm not the sales guy, so I'm, don't quote me on this. I don't know actually what Garrett runs all of that. Um, green monocular. Um, if we're taking, we take a lot of law enforcement trade-ins. Um, we just had a bunch of them, and they like that. Green fourteen monoculars. Um, I think the lowest one was about fifteen, okay. and the highest one. Um, highest, oh, oh, remind me about this, um, specs or, uh, yeah, specs or, um, defects, like little, like the dark spots in the, in the, in the, uh, Mm um, in the tubes. All right. Um, the high greens were, I think the highest one we had was about 2,700 bucks because it was almost flawless. So, um, white foss, um, we don't really do a lot with Elbit. Garrett's starting to do it because Garrett handles a lot of the civilian stuff. Um, Garrett's starting to get in a little bit more Elbit. So we can help out with that. Um, man, there's so much to talk about. We can probably turn this into a couple, like another episode if we really wanted. But okay. Um, a mono, a white L3 filmless white Foss mono is around, I mean, is mid threes. Um, a really, really, really good one might be a little higher, but 
from my understanding, we if one is better than the other, the price difference doesn't go up very much. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like, hey, this is flawless, so it's seven hundred dollars more. It's not. I don't. That's not how it rolls. Yeah. And again, remember, I handle all the government contracts and the training and stuff like that. But um, that's not how Garrett rolls. That's not how I roll. Um, and so if we're usually the price is different, it's usually for a supply and demand thing. Like, hey, we have these right now. Um, and so we'll try and do the best we can. Um, a set of duels. Greens, I'm not sure. We don't deal with greens. Greens are more the surplus, like we get them in trade or something like that. So um, price points, no clue. No clue. Um, white foss man this is where it starts getting fun and interesting um so and again i don't know industry standards i know what uh i know what is out there because i do a lot of bids for government agencies and such um and usually a set of dual articulating duels art hang on articulating l3 filmless white foss duels runs anywhere between mid tens and all the way up to 13.7 for 31s. Um, now, here's what's fun. Um, we will run a special for all your user, all your listeners or whatever. We'll, you and I will come up with a code. There are that UL21. Um, so the UL21s. And again, man, I don't get a dime from this. I just like that. Just like you and I were talking, they're good people. This is an American-made product, and they're kind of redefining the industry. So, um, those run us L3. They are 3D printed, um, American-made, full U.S., full, no questions asked, warranty. I call it the Vortex warranty because Vortex, that's why Vortex got how as big as they were Mm -hmm. is because they kind of came into Leopold and gave them the middle finger and said, ha! Ours is a no question to ask warranty. Meaning like you could take a video of you shooting it and they'll still replace it for free, right? So um, UL21s, um, if you break the housing in any way, shape, or form, they replace it for free. And But they have a small turnaround time. Nice. So nice. very high quality, dude. Um, they have a they have a, a proprietary battery pack that they make in-house and the connection piece is the same cord that connects to 31s, ARNVGs and stuff like that. So you can unplug that battery pack and plug it into any device on the market. Those run L3 filmless white FOSS articulating tubes with an external battery pack is around 84 84 99 is that what it is on our website yeah okay um, looking at the right unit yeah yeah, yeah 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 that's them um we will run something so you let me know when this airs and we'll have something where we'll knock 500 bucks off so it'll probably be 79.99 nice um for, for anybody listening you'll be able to find that down in the description yeah we'll we'll come up with that and that's that's what we offer to our military and law enforcement guys um and so that's a military law enforcement price and there's the whole thing is that they are getting a set of l3 filmless white foss articulating dual tubes and they could even pick out whatever tubes they want so if we get our shipment in we might even be able to say, hey, you, we, you can match which tubes are the best matching, and so you can have your own set built for you. Nice. So, um, you know, we might have some pre-built ones that are like, I don't know, 2200, 2300 FOM, and then all of a sudden, hey, you're able to pick out, handpick whatever tubes, and 
now you've got a set of 2700 so anyway so big price point big big price point difference on that so um like again prices change um cool thing is is they've got a lot of stuff coming out it, it the cool thing about the world of night vision right now which we're just i'm just kind of getting involved in the commercial side of it is it's evolving mm -hmm. and it's innovating to be a lot more friendly for commercial use yeah. um, or for uh, commercial buyers i mean dude it wasn't a year and a half ago they finally opened 31 alphas to the you know, open market. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool, man. I remember when it was like, dude, you have a pair of 31s, who are you with? Now, bro, civil I go to classes and civilians are better outfitted than 99% of the agencies that I teach. And I've heard so, a lot of that recently. Yeah, man, it's pretty... Someone is screaming in the background. Yeah, let me walk away, man. Some of these knuckleheads are kind of having... They're getting, they're getting pretty excited. So, <laughs> uh, let me walk away so it should be a little bit more quieter. So... Man, it's just would, so it's so beautiful tonight, so I had to stay outside. I feel you. I would like to challenge you briefly on your save up by duels instead of a PBS 14. <laughs> There's and, no and challenge, it, it, man, because you know what? I can guarantee you you're going to be 100% correct. <laughs> it, and, it, and the story applies to me as well. So back in 2020, right after I got out of the Marine Corps, I got out of the Marine Corps in March. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was like June I uh, had a little bit of money from the Marine Corps, plus a stimulus check laying around. Just, you know, the summer love was really getting intense and whatnot. And I was like, I was like, damn, I need knots, but I cannot afford duels right now by any means. Correct. So I went and bought the mono, you know, God uh -huh. knowing God knowing what, what was going to happen, knowing that it would be even worse now here in 2023. Right. Well, especially look at, look at where, well, look at what we're, uh, we're eyeballing right now. Like, we could have a conversation off of this of stuff and oh, yeah. some stuff that I'm getting spun up for in my, my ears to the rail system about, yeah, our world's about to change. We all know yeah, that. Very significant. Um, but, so, you know, do you, does your opinion change at all for folks given the times right now, but even more specifically, like economically? I mean, I know for a lot of guys, so, just even in my local community, I mean, times are, Times are tough, and, and I, I can barely convince the guys that are buying night vision to buy monoculars, let sure. alone to convince guys to buy tools. Agreed. And that's not Agreed. And you know what? And I will. You're a hundred percent correct. So let me let me just rephrase a little bit. Yes, no. Um, yes, a mono is better than none. Um, I, I think I said like a mono is better than none. Duels are definitely better. Um, oh, I prefer sure. I prefer a set of green green duels over a single white foss mono any day. Right. Now, that being said, I can't, I'm not good at speaking to the general public. Like the, the whole thing that I'm trying to get used to, Jeremy, is I'm very much, uh, I'm a lot better on speaking isolation or like smaller groups because I like discussion points of like, hey, let's talk about this. Sure. What's cool, what's really hard for my brain to, I guess, wrap around, get wrapped around is the fact of how big your audience is for my brain is looking at this right now going it's you and i having a conversation and not realizing that we've got an audience listening to this and they have comments questions concerns they've got they've got heartaches they've got financial problems they've got all and so i very much am trying to like here's my opinion but sure. don't take it to the bank right so what i'm about to tell you is this my only rebuttal is people look at their financial situation 
and adjust as such to best meet whatever their needs are. So for instance, and I just say this because this is where I see a lot of dudes, young dudes, you know, cause I'm not really talking to a whole lot of like 40 and 50 year old dudes that might want to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Young dudes. And I'm like, okay, what kind of car do you drive? Okay. What are your spending habits like? Like if you're really wanting to do something like this, let's talk about it. So that being said, also what's your educate? Like, are you trying to better yourself? Are you trying to do this? Because you should be worried about food. I mean, cause all right, let's go there, dude. Before you're buying nods, what's your water supply like? What's your, what's your meal plan supply? Like what's your, um, what's your, your tribe? What's your, you know, your ready group. Everybody's thinking that, man, I'm just going to go there. All right. And I know I'm probably going to step on toes, but that's because man, it's it, to me, it's the truth. People might think that there's a fantasy of like, Hey, I'm going to load up with my boys and we're going to go do this. I'm like, here's the thing. You want to know the reality is you need to be worrying about your, your family. You need to be worrying about your community. When was the last time you went and said hi to your neighbors and started figuring them out? Right now, this is getting into the whole like mentorship of like, Hey, let's, let's, let's be smart about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Buy, yes. Buy monocular if you can. It, but you know, there's a lot of the whole thing of like, be prepared. The, we have been eyeballing if 2020, if 2020 wasn't a wake up call and now we're sitting here doing an, wondering an impulse buy, do you understand? Like, this is where I say, hey, guys, l- let's let's think and readdress our priorities and how we conduct our lives because, yeah, things are getting scary. And our world is probably changing right now, which means we probably need to understand our moral and ethical code first before I worry about if I can see in the dark or not. Sure. Because I'm not going to be able to make moral judgment code, moral judgment decisions if something were to come to it. Does that make sense? And I know I'm getting kind of deep again. No, but it's fine. It's, it's who I am. And when people talk to me, it's like, I'm trying to like, this is, this is me. This is what my background has taught me. This is what a lot of my experiences have taught me of man there. I have been found in times wanting and and being unprepared and it's terrifying. And I don't wish that upon anybody. And I'm talking in my personal life and my professional life. So I mean, the reason is I'm taking the responsibility of that question. That's a big question because you're asking me for financial stuff. And it's like, man, I represent somebody in industry who wants their business, but I don't want a reckless or careless because I believe that their dollars should be put to where they need it the most. Mm -hmm. And if they need it the most to get out of debt, awesome. Because right now, I mean, dude, it's stuff of like, it don't matter if you have a mono or not. And all of a sudden, our financial system collapses, and all of a sudden, all of your debt, your credit card debt, and all your loans and everything start being recalled, and now you're now having to worry about your house or your mortgage. It doesn't matter because you know stuff may not be happening for a while. You know this stuff that we might need this for, right? Mm-hmm. But all, but you know what is happening now is I might be, I may not be able to meet my my mortgage for the next two months or three months because of I'm not fiscally or financially prepared for that. So that's where I'm sitting here, dude. And I'm like, I'm going to take, there's a lot of people out there saying, take a 14 over duels if you can, right? Like do it now if you need to. I'm going to be that voice that says, Hey, make sure it's a smart decision that matches what your capabilities financially, fiscally, morally, and make sure it's that first. 
And that's reasonable. I think that's for sure reasonable. So, I mean, because I, I mean, you brought up a great point, man. Because, dude, I remember that. Dude, I was right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of all that summer of love stuff. But remember, if people didn't learn for something then, they aren't going to learn from something now. People, we, as the two-way community, that should have been our wake-up call for us of, like, getting our stuff in order. Like, to be honest, here's my personal opinion. This is the gospel according to Chance. That was a great dress rehearsal for anybody who considers themselves a prepper. Okay? Yeah. That was a – there could not be a better dress rehearsal of – what potentially could happen, what was trying to be had and acted upon us, and what thankfully didn't happen, but that doesn't mean another round of whatever is not coming again. So if people saw that and still haven't really fiscally, then, hey, you know what? Maybe we maybe we need to address that. And I know I'm starting to preach, and I get that. And people are like, man, who the heck are you? And I'm like, I get that. But you asked me, monos or duels and i'm going to say it's going to be duels save up for it if you need a mono now understand get a mono now and i will happily trade that in for your first set of duels just understand i'm not going to lowball you i'm going to give you an honest where garrett and i are going to give you an honest quote to trade into a set of duels but remember we're trying to make some money off of we have to we can't just take it in easy peasy we got to make some money off of it because we're running a business we hope that people come to us for their business that we're they know we're going to be fair our prices are fair and we're going to treat them right and we're going to do well but at the same time like you can't hold me responsible if you paid four grand for this even though it's only valued at two thousand dollars Sure. Oh, dude, and I've got man. I don't know how old you are. Do you remember 2012? Uh, I do remember 2012. Okay, dude, I was working at a gun store in college during all of that, and here is my point. This is my point. Okay, man, I remember that fall of 2012. Um, Sandy Hook happened, and mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I learned the value of what a 30 round magazine could hold as currency. And if people didn't, if people weren't alive, I mean, of course they were alive. If people weren't really um, aware of what was going on, Sandy Hook happened. Rest in peace to those babies. Okay. They started coming after guns. And so everybody went into an uproar and they basically did a run on the banks, except for gun stores. We couldn't find anything to replace what we were selling. So our prices went up. That's what everybody's like, man, why are your prices going up? Like, cause we can't get any more. We don't know if we're going to be in business next month because we can't resupply this stuff. That's how mm-hmm. run on the banks happen. Sure. So I remember a couple instances and I'll just share one, which kind of is my point. There was one, there was two guns we had left. I don't remember what one of them was, but I remember what this one was. It was called a carbon 15. I think it was made by Bushmaster and it was a plastic polymer rifle. Okay, AR-15. Dude, it we had had it for months because it was a piece of garbage. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and I think we had it at the time. I think it was only like 400 bucks. It was the last thing on the shelf. We had no more magazines, no more pistols. Like, there was nothing. We had nothing except those two. And actually, I think I remember it was like a break-action shotgun or something like that, right? Some guy comes in in a panic. And turns to goes to the owner and is just like, what do you guys have? And he's like, bro, we don't have anything. And he's like, what's that one? He goes, that's a, a, a carbon 15. And he goes, how much you want for it? And this guy just jokingly 
because dude, I mean, what mentally we're exhausted with dealing with everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Goes thirty five hundred bucks, and he goes done and bought Jesus. it and bought it, meaning he wasn't prepared and started panic buying. Mm-hmm. So that's what we have to be wary of. That's what we have to be wary of is just being able and in being involved with panic buying and whether people want to admit it or not, people in the second community, second A to a community are really bad at panic buying or impulse buying. Okay. This, this is probably goes right onto your story today. I don't even know if you've seen this yet, uh, but there are some screenshots of emails and order notifications from Lake city going around canceling slash suspending ammo orders given current events. No, man, I don't, I don't doubt it. So Lake city is just North of me, man. Like where I live, um, Lake city ammunition plant is just North of me. That's literally. So when we're talking like counterterrorism operation stuff, that's one of our soft targets. We always worry about, it's not going to get hit. They're not going to be able to blow it up. It's it's, but it's that close to me. Um, so they make the, they make all the, uh, the ammunition for five, five, six, uh, they do 50 cal and they do the 20 millimeters out of the a 10 guns, mm-hmm. bro. You want to talk about amazing. So they test fire that every one, um, a couple times a day. And our, our range that we trained at was just South of there and you're training and bro, you want to talk about the sound of freedom <laughs> when that thing goes off, it's just, and it just echoes for everywhere. It oh, echoes forever. And it's just like, oh, and now you guys that were overseas, I imagine it was a lot better hearing that. We heard it all the time on the range. It was just like, man, that is just American firepower and wonderful freedom. That's the sound of red, white, and blue. I love A-10s. Yeah, dude. Um, so anyway, so yeah, that's how close Lake City. I didn't know that that's what's happening. But yeah, man, our world is changing right now. And so I imagine a lot of people are going out and panic buying ammunition. And I'm like, I'm wait a sure. second. Where were you six months ago? Instead of panic buying two thousand rounds of ammo, just go in and buy three boxes of ammo once a week. Mm-hmm. Buy three boxes of ammo once a week, and then all of a sudden you. And here's the other thing: is everybody wants to. Man, okay. Here's this is all soapbox stuff, man. <laughs> I'm gonna have to retitle this episode. <laughs> I know, right? Why do we panic buy a full metal jacket? Let's 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 go there, and I'm probably going to become infamous for this, and probably sound bites for you. But why do people panic buy Full Metal Jacket? Let's 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 just say it. It's I mean it's available. There's a lot it's, of it. It's available. There's a lot of it, and it's cheap. Sure. And why do we panic buy, or why do we buy a bunch of it? Because we want to have it for insert whatever name for that event is. We tracking? Tracking. You want to talk, but what is one of the least effective rounds in that type of a situation? Now, the advantage is you have a lot of it, right? The disadvantage through volume, accuracy through volume. Now, (laughs) if I were to tell you that the ballistics of a lot more different ones, so why do we panic by that instead of take time and buy three or four boxes of Hornady Tap or something or some other self-defense round through time? Why don't we do that? Because after a while, all of a sudden we have two, three, four, five thousand rounds of self-defense ammunition that is a lot more effective against soft tissue. Mm-hmm. But we panic by because we think it's best. So it'd be great to have a bunch of that also. And man, and, and, and am I going crazy in this? Like, am I, am I, 
no. do you disagree with my assessment? It's because no. it's something I have. It's a it's a bone I have picked. I had the bone to pick when I was working at that gun store of like, mm. why is everybody buying all of this and they're leaving all the self defense ammo? Like they're all coming in and buying all the full metal jacket. Like here's all the self defense. Like well that's expensive. And I'm like, bro, you are buying this because you think the world is ending, right? No, I think I think that's a fair assessment. I mean I've probably got about a little under sub thousand of self-defense rounds and then thousands upon thousands of FMJs. But in my mind, I'm trying to rotate ammo because, because you, know, you still need, train, what do you still, yep. Not. Jeremy, what do you still need to do? Still got to train. I have so much to do. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. You still got to train, right? So you got the rounds to train it, right? So all I'm saying, and here, um, and it was the same thing with toilet paper. So everybody's making fun of the guys with toilet paper. I'm like, bro, they're going crazy about toilet paper. You turn around, what's behind them? Kleenexes, paper towels, and stuff like that. And I'm like, it's the same thing. In fact, that's actually softer. The aloe vera, to- man, the aloe vera Kleenexes wipe your butt way better than toilet paper, right? <laughs> but we get so hyper-focused on stuff, we stop losing the ability to objectively say what is best for what I want to do. So, full circle, mono duels, buy whatever is financially and fiscally appropriate for you. That is fair. It's fair. So, if a mono is great, then train with a mono. Understand its limitations. Understand its capabilities. Understand what it has advantages and over and disadvantages too. You you can pick up duels off a cartel member later. Uh, anyway. <laughs> or off or off Taliban, man. They got okay. plenty. Of, they got plenty of. I guess dude, the funny thing was all that stuff there. All of us, like in the night vision world, that are inundated with the whole ITAR thing. You know, the ITAR mm-hmm. compliance. Dude, when that when Afghanistan when we left Afghanistan, we're all like, so is ITAR not not a does that not exist anymore? Because I'm pretty sure we just left boatloads of these things that are I uh, that are ITAR regulated. And we left them over there for terrorists and like, oh, yeah. uh, you know, th- you know, don't say anything. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, whatever, dude, whatever, dude. Rules for thee, but not uh, rules for me, but not for thee. Yep. So we've established our, our, our important and expensive night vision devices. Now, what about mounts? Man. Is that, I don't think people truly put enough value on the mount until <gasps> no, they, they actually get night vision and they start mm-hmm. wearing it and they're like, Oh, this this surplus mount sucks. Sucks the rhino mounts. Yo, I hate the rhino. Mount. I didn't realize how much I hated the rhino mount until, until I got you get the Wilcox the and saw literally anything else. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, my first one was a rhino mount too, and I'm like, the tension on that thing. I'm like, these are gonna snap me in my face. Like you, do you remember like as you're coming down and the tension as you're lowering it, you're like, don't do it, don't do it, and you're waiting for it to just kind of be like the jack in the box, like snap in your face. And you're like, you're gonna take out an eye, you're gonna t- you're gonna take out one of my eyes. Yeah, um, man, I know it sucks, um, but if you're buying that much, if you're not gonna spend a lot of money on a good car and not have a good pair of shoes, meaning not have a good set of wheels and tires to go on it. So, mm-hmm. man, I know it sucks. Five hundred bucks for a mount. Dude, you just gotta you just gotta grit it and bit, uh, grit it and bear it because that's the industry, that's the uh, the hobby, that's the the pastime you're wanting to get involved in. Um, man, I I would if I'm gonna buy that much, I want something that's gonna hold it and be secure. So, man, your Wilcox G twenty two G twenty four mounts are where it's at. Um, 
And then, um, man, there's different ways. Uh, it's hard to be explaining just um, auditory, like articulating it, but then, then you've got to figure out how you're going to retain it to your to your device. And, man, there's lots of different places to put your money. So let's talk about that real quick. Places to put your money and places to save money. How about that? Sure. Oh, and this kind of goes into with our last conversation. I promise it won't be as deep and it won't be so boxing. So places to put your money is going to be in your tubes and your mount. Okay. Places to save money. Places to save mo- a great place to save money is going to be in your IR device. Okay. A lot of people, man, it's the thing. If you've got the money, go do whatever you want. The best part about being a citizen of the greatest country that's ever existed. Man, we have our problems, but I'll tell you what, we still have a pretty dadgum good way of life. Okay. I can tell you this. I'm, I'm outside right now and I'm enjoying every bit and I don't have to worry about airstrikes. I don't have to worry about anything like that. I just got to worry about some bum coming up and trying to knife me in the back. Okay. That's a, that's a joke, man. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But anyway, so, um, your IR device, if you've got the money, get whatever one you want, but that's a great place for people to budget because, um, I don't know if you were there for it, but a good demo I like to do at these places that I'd like to travel to is everybody wants full power lasers when all reality, what they need is a really good illuminator. Yeah, I, was, gri- I, heard, I remember that. So I don't know if you were there for it, but um, I turned a uh, a peck to the um, to the the equivalent of the ATPLC or the civilian laser, and I shined it, and we were able to get I think 600 yards. Um, I mean that laser, you could see that dot for 600 yards. Okay, but the illuminator didn't go very far at all. So put your money into a really good illuminator. You can build your Excuse me. You can build yourself a really good makeshift mall, the equivalent of a mall, for thirteen hundred bucks. Um, Tyler with Overbore, um, Overbore Systems, just posted about this because he just came out with this new cool little uh, attachment called a swivel, and it's awesome. Oh my gosh, it's awesome for somebody. I run a mall, and it is amazing. But in that, he just went to. Um, he went back up to Ben Franklin and he saw somebody running where he had a, like a mod light. It's like a really, really, really good flashlight Mm. weapons light right above. That was a surefire vampire. Great. IR illuminator, terrible white light. Yep. That's what I run on one of my rifles. Okay. So great illuminator, right? Great. IR illuminator. Great illuminator. How's your white light? (laughs) <laughs> not so good right if i'm inside so, i'm happy <laughs> i didn't know about these it's something called a sumo or something like that it's like a two or three hundred dollar airsoft laser yeah the sumo gear okay sumo gear so i here's the thing is i'm speaking off of like hearsay right but mm-hmm. let's just say what my version so i carried an mp5 for a long time and i put a steiner gosh i can't even remember all the acronyms a steiner cqbl or whatever basically i had a i had a red laser an ir laser no illuminator so i slaved a um i slaved a vampire light to it so now i have a really good illuminator and a laser mm-hmm. okay that's essentially what you're doing. That Steiner CQBL or whatever it's called is maybe five or six hundred bucks. How much is a vampire? Four four hundred bucks. I think on our I think our website has them for four hundred bucks, right? So putting all that together, you're about 
a thousand bucks getting a good mount and a tape switch you're looking at about 1200 bucks and now you have a great functional ir device for most of what people on everyday stuff is going to be able to need so put the emphasis in the illumination not into the laser i'm glad you brought up the vampire series from from surefire because i was going to ask about that on what your just what your general opinions on it were because a lot of civilian lasers ir illuminator output they're, they're terrible it's, it's terrible and there's yeah, really no terrible. way around it there, unless you buy something full power that from another country or you find a really good new peck and not like one of the 06 versions like yeah it creates what's called the starry night it's create um it makes it it's just uh like a kind of looks like that xbox stuff where everything you have a million little green dots um or uh, you have a million dots all over the place it's hard so like i said i i bought kind of i wouldn't say panic bought but i impulse bought my mono back in 2020 and i did the same for my ir laser because i didn't really i didn't know what all was out there on the civilian markets at the time i was just used to being issued a peck and like you know it's hard dude it's hard isn't it It, dude i went through hang on i went through that it's hard realizing you've got you're not going to get stuff issued so mm -hmm. been there man it's it's hard so on the price market what i actually ended up settling with for my first ir laser was a holison ls321 love it isn't yeah isn't that their uh that's their it wasn't like 800 bucks or something like that 800 bucks and I can use the illuminator out to about a hundred yards confidently. Uh-huh. Past that, not really worth it. Not really I can worth use it. The laser, three fifty. See it solid. Honestly, I love the Holison. I'm bringing that. I'm, I want to bring that back because that's a that is actually. If I were to say I had to build one, like a, I'm going to call it civilian version. Mm-hmm. I would actually do that with the vampire, um, the vampire illuminator for the 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 surefire vampire the my gosh dude i'm sorry the surefire vampire because what i loved about the hollow sun illuminator is it it didn't have any flood it was a direct circle if i remember right correct yep mm-hmm. okay and it's a good circle like it's solid it crisp okay it so and that provided your distance but it doesn't allow for ambi or for um illumination around whatever you're pointing at so if you were to have the hollow sun with the surefire to me, that is the ideal setup. If I had to go back and redo my my uh, my MP5, I would probably do that. It's small, it's affordable, it's um, unintrusive, it's uh, and it ta- and it's just it was a great it was a great device. So that's, that's the setup I have for my thirteen seven is the vampire and the Holosun on a surefire duel. Dude, it's awesome. Surefire. Yeah, man, it's it's awesome, and it allows you to be able to punch out, punch out, go to work. <laughs> <laughs> it allows you to actually punch that illuminator out if you need to, but it also enables you to have um, the um, the good illumination because the the vampire doesn't go out very far. Um, I mean, you're looking at maybe 50, maybe 50 yards on an ideal situation, but for a CQB setting, man, it's awesome. God awesome. dang it. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Right. And what, so, and what people don't realize, I've had this conversation with some of my civilian buddies who are in the night vision game is that when we're starting, we're starting to talk about night vision engagements of 200 or more yards, <laughs> your, your illumination doesn't matter. Like you just know where you're getting shot at from and you're just returning fire at that location there 
yeah. positive identification is very much questionable at that point. And if you can't have it on the civilian side, you sh- probably shouldn't be shooting 300 yards in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. Again, unless it's the cartel. Then you yeah, shoot, exactly. You shoot it in 300 yards in the dark. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the thing, man, is I, I don't have any dog in the fight when it comes to long engagements. The longest I've ever looked at somebody um, professionally, like the longest distance I've ever looked through glass professionally was 122 yards. And thankfully, I didn't have to pull the trigger, right? That's my the long, that's the longest I've ever had to. And most 99% of what I've had to do is urban, urban stuff. Um, anytime I, the, um, no, I thought we had, we had some operations that were actually pretty rural. Um, but as far as like majority of my time was in some sort of a rural environment, I mean, an urban environment. So I have no dog in the fight when it comes to engagements out to three, four, 500 yards and further. Cause to me, I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, my offset and my, my offset is this, my bullets traveling down while the laser is straight. So therefore my offset is going to be, wait, so I can't count on that. What's my over. And I'm like, shoot, man, I wish I had some, I wish I had some close air support. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, long distance night vision is not an easy game to play by, by any means. Right. Yeah. Well, there's, and here's the thing is that there, I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious. There's a lot to come into play. Cause we've had to do a lot with distance, but I've never had to, you know, do any sort of engagements for anything like that. So I'm not going to sit here and say I have any sort of real opinion. I know that we've had to prepare for that stuff. Sure. Um, we did a lot where we're crossing, a, we were crossing a couple fields and man, it was a good six, 700 yards. But at the same time, we, there was ways that we were negating that, but that's a conversation probably for a different time. Uh, one other big question I kind of want to get onto as far as our setups is IR strobes specifically for the civilian use. I are you talking about like guys, Are you talking about like IFF stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah like helmet mounted IR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I that's see it. a lot of civilian guys rocking them on their helmet, and why? to me, why? I'm always like, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> I, mean, okay. I want you to know, I said that before you said it. <laughs> I think you did, but I was going to finish my sentence, David. <laughs> I, I've just. I see people rocking it. I'm like, why do you have it on? They're like, well, so my buddies can also see me in the dark. Oof. I'm like, okay. Uh, you ever you ever looked at those things underneath the dark, man, and you're close? You're going to flare everything out, and it's going to be way too bright. That and, like, you know, especially on the civilian side, people are like, well, what if, you know, so-and-so comes for me one day? You know, whatever. Paint the paint the b- bad situation. Yeah, we yeah. can even say the cartel for just to be P- PC. Correct. The cartel's got night vision and shit like that. I'm like, all right, so you have a giant flashing IR strobe on your head while you and your fantasy are actively engaging others with night vision. Correct. This doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't why make sense. On, why is that on your helmet? It doesn't make sense, man. And and again, it's where the you know it's I'm 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 learning that I have to just be careful with how I say stuff, just because it's like I don't care. Like here's the thing: is people can say whatever they want about me, and that's fine. But there's a difference between reality and fantasy. I've got some on mine. Do you want to know why I do? Because there is not a sing- there. Nope. <laughs> there is not a single reason I have in my world now that I live in that I'm going to be utilizing it for air, for anything like that. I don't, I don't do that stuff anymore. Um, I wish I could. And I, you know, maybe someday I might go back into it. I honestly have it on there because, um, it is just part of it. It's part of the image of it. That's it. Sure. Okay. So that being said, there is, 
I can't think of a single reason that I'm going to need to be throwing IR IR strobes or anything, or even green strobes, um, you know, because a lot of them, like, and I don't even know all the different ones. Like, I've got a Manta on one of my, on my, like, my, uh, I call it my, my teaching helmet because that's what I wear teaching most of the time. I have that because whenever I'm on the firing line, I turn that on because when we're running night vision, a night vision course, we like to have the rear, you know, something that is indicating um, the front of the firing line. So if you, if you are not seeing, if you know, if you can't see the front of the firing line, I mean, if you can't see our backs, meaning that you have something illuminated behind you. So hang on. So like think of the firing line and you on the back, we have green chem sticks, you know, lit up. Usually it's green chem sticks cracked and they're on everybody's back or if they have those we say hey turn it on but make sure it's not strobing it's just a, a solid green because anybody behind there needs to be able to look and say that is danger area that if i'm looking at the back i'm looking at their back so anything beyond that is danger that's fire you're right mm-hmm. so that's why we have that's essentially why i have that stuff on my kit now there's nothing for air support or anything for that and so um yeah i don't foresee any reason especially if i'm if i'm really if they really want to go there if i'm operating where i think that they have the same capabilities i do i'm going to be as quiet and as low profile as i can meaning i'm not broadcasting a single thing yeah so i mean because it goes even the same principle that we're talking about even goes into the whole um iWatches and iphones and stuff like that you know everybody want why do people have this the phones on the front of their kits because they want to, you know, it looks good on Instagram and stuff like that. Or, hey, they're running an iTac pro- software or something like that, so they want to run it. <clears throat> Do they know how to disengage all of that so that way um, your, you know, that facial recognition stuff on your phones is all done through infrared? And if they're not aware of it, their front of their chest is lighting up in a blinking, a really bright blinking light because oh, that's yeah. the fake facial recognition stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same thing of like, man, you've got to, you got to have that. You got to know what your kid's doing. So you're not giving yourself away. And here's another good point. You know, is I don't want to be totally the whole anti like stuff, uh, the whole anti using this thing, dude, I'll tell you what, I went to an airsoft Milsim, Milsim event. I had a blast. It was so much fun. And I couldn't think of a better event. That's more common that you and your ready group could go to, to really work on what's good and bad in whatever team TTPs that you have. And now granted, there were dudes there in anime, there were dudes there doing all sorts of crazy stuff and everything. And it's like, dude, that's fine. Dude, it's a fun place. It's a fun place to let loose. Right. But I was looking at it as going, dude, like we were doing stuff that I'm like, this is pretty good practice. Like, because the thing with a lot of civilians, it's really hard to teach in a lot of my classes or other people, like other instructors, you know, we have these conversations. It's really hard to demonstrate or to drive home the why something is this way. Mm-hmm. Because why is usually fueled by experiences. I mean, your time in the military, right? You have experiences that you rely on that help drive what you do. And it's hard to give that to civilians. It's hard to mimic that. It's hard to replicate it because, you know, a lot of that comes from a different environment than what you can provide in a controlled environment, controlled training environment. So, um, man, those airsoft events were actually pretty cool. Um, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I walked away and luckily I was with a couple, I was with some pretty good dudes, um, good dudes and meaning like they, they do those things and stuff and we were able to learn and we had a good time, man. 
and um, it was a great place to to learn all that. So that's a place that you know people can go and take their gear, travel, get your buddies together, travel cross country to some of these places and see and put it to the test. And a lot of them might be, hey, man, those guys have the same capability. Here's a great example. Um, night one, night one. Um, so the dudes that I were with, none of them had really done anything professionally. Okay. And if they're, if they're listening, cause I know you got a pretty big audience. If they're listening, man, those guys were awesome. Hearts of gold, but they just didn't have the experience yet. And it showed they'd gone to a lot of these events, but here's my case in point. We came up and we're supposed to get to this side of whatever the objective was. And I round the corner and I see a whole bunch of dudes about 60 yards away and there's about 40 of them. And the first, and when you're under nods, you don't color patterns kind of go away, go to the wayside. All right. I couldn't tell their color patterns from where we were at. And there's no way with our small force, I'm going to sit here and be like, Hmm, are those good guys or bad guys? We're not going to deconflict or do anything because if we deconflict and they're bad guys, what have we now done? they're going to come after us. So what we do, we blend in and casually just, we was like, guys, let's go across. So we cross this linear danger area and we're waving at them and stuff like that. But at the same time, my, my, uh, Oh, factor is going off because under nods, you cannot, there's no real way of saying, Hey, do those guys wearing multicam? Are they green? We don't know. So I get them in the building and I'm like, guys go push and we're moving right. These guys didn't know we had never worked together. So they're like, wait, what? And it was dark, no ambient light inside of this building. And I told them like, Hey guys, we are doing passive aiming unless it is absolutely necessary because we don't want, there's a lot of people in this field that can have the same capabilities we do. So let's not give away our position. So only use active aiming or our illumination if it's absolutely necessary. So as the confusion of coming into this really dark room and where we're going to go, turns out those guys were bad. And they came up and slaughtered us from behind because we're sitting here kind of like, oh, what do we do? What do we? And I'm like, just move, move, move. Well, we gave up. The guys didn't understand the importance of rear security. So guess what? We got slaughtered. So we respawned, went back to our base. And a lot of what I'm talking about is they're saying, oh, that's why rear security is important. You've been in the military, right? <laughs> so you understand how important rear security is yep. with civilians. It's hard because it's usually a pretty boring job until what Jeremy until someone dies <laughs> until someone dies. Right. And so now guess what happened? The entire rest of the event, they held their rear security. They held rear security. So when I say how great it was that they were able to kind of get some of those lessons, they were able to take some of those lessons away and it was done under knots because we were able to say, Hey, do you see how, why we're not going to deconflict with them? Why aren't we going to do that? Well, because if they're bad, they have a lot of dudes and we have no idea where we're going. And our mission is to get from a to B. So not to, with a, with knowing, try and get there without any engagements. So our mission is this. If we do that, we are altering our mission. They're like, Oh, okay. So, the whole point of like what that event provided was a way to get some experience under nods, a good training environment and provided a lot of fun, man. It was, it was a good, it was, I, I was, I walked away going, man, that was actually a lot of fun and we're going to go, we're, we're going to go back. Yeah. We're going to, and dude, I'm going back. I'm going back. It was a lot of fun. And that kind of, and that very much spearheads into my next question, which was going to be the best way for people to train with their night vision 
Easy. Put them on. Go walk around your house. Do normal day operation, normal day, every stuff. Um, so let's do two things. Let's do two things. And if I get off track, um, first one is going to be getting comfortable with them. And then second thing is going to be coming efficient with them. Effectively getting used to them, throw them on, start doing normal tasks. Take out the garbage, walk around your house, um, menial chores and stuff like that. Turn lights on and off. Most, you know, Gen 3 night vision, you know, auto gain. So you turn a light on, it's not going to do anything crazy. It doesn't hurt them. They're actually designed for that. Getting used to some of that stuff allows you the ability to. So there's some depth perception problems. So um, when you throw them, when you throw them on, you lose about six inches. And meaning that if people um, throw your night vision on, take a ball, throw it up in the air, and it'll actually land about six inches in front of you, just because of how your brain is processing it. So um, get used to that depth perception and walk around. Get a good daytime cap. Remember, I said we were going to talk about that. A daytime cap is where um, it's a piece of accessory that you put on the front of your. um, So you so when you get your device, take it out to a nice, clear, open, crisp field outside something and find the the greatest amount of detail as far as you can and focus it. So that is as perfect as it comes. Like it doesn't get any more in focus. Then you put your daytime cap on, which is a, it's something that covers the front of your ocular lens and has a little pinhole, usually the size of a five, five, six round or smaller on the front. And what that does is that now limits the amount of light exposure, but it allows you to have what's called like infinite focus, meaning three feet in, um, you, so you've, you've got a device, right? Without a daytime cap, what is when you're looking when you're looking through it, everything close to you is blurry. It's out of focus. Okay, distance, it's clear. Put the daytime cap on, and now you're able to see clearly two feet in front of you, all the way out to infinity. So that comes into play when you're doing a lot of CQB stuff. So. That's just, um, so, and then that helps you get used to things in and around your house. I don't recommend driving in it unless you do it on a controlled, <laughs> you know, I'll say, Hey, yeah, if you're going to do that, just make sure it's under a controlled environment. Or, I'm glad you brought it up. Cause I was thinking it, I was like, am I going to bring this up or am I going to have somebody crash on their back road? <laughs> exactly. And they're like, ah, and then you get the class action lawsuit against, uh, you know, this like, no, do it on a controlled thing. But, um, you know, just do everyday stuff with it, man. It's, um, everyday stuff with it and that'll lead into uh anyway so that's that because i have when i get to the efficiency side um it'll be a lot more of like uh this whole matrix this whole matrix learning model thing that i came up with a while ago but yeah i mean that's the best way to do it man is just get used to it throw it on um start paying attention to what uh what its limitations and capabilities are you know night vision is not the end all um, you know, you can be in a pitch black room, throw them on and it looks like noonday while you go to a different dark room and you throw them on and you can't see, you can't see crap in front of you. <coughs> and that's because what we don't, the darkness that we interpret is actually full of little light particles, little photons. Mm-hmm. So understanding what in that room causes those photons will help you read what its capabilities and limitations are. I will tell this to everybody. One fantastic way of training with your night vision requires absolutely no gun at all. Requires none. None is go is 
get together with your buddies, take some of the training IFACs that you should have laying around that you guys practice march with and everything, and go into a dark-ass room at night and practice doing march under nods with low light. Oh, I love that. that oh, was, I love that. That was eye-opening to me when we were doing a mount exercise in the Marine Corps when it was like part of like an evaluation that we had to do. And we went in with just our really crappy, barely see out of it, green PVS 14. And it's like, all right, go fix that dude. And at that point I was like, I, I, I was like, I can't, I can't see anything. This night vision device is damn near not worth anything to me. Yep. You know, I've got, I've got little to no ambient light in this room, but I have to fix this casualty. That's something that really makes you really think about like your hard skills. Yep. Yep. That's what I'm saying, man, is just go do everyday stuff, everyday stuff. Um, and I mean, even simple, dude, I know it sounds crazy, but even simple things like folding laundry, because you're using the textures, you're using the, uh, there's a lot of different finute things that you should be normally. I mean, how many shirts have we folded? How many towels have we folded? But when you change what your brain is seeing, meaning, um, visually you're taking in stuff that it's not used to, it throws off a lot of your fine motor skills. And if you can get used to those fine motor skills, one of the craziest things, I don't say the craziest, that's a little hyperbolic, um, a really good indicator of how people, how serious people are in their training is basic reloads mm-hmm. because under nods, they're like, Oh my gosh. And I'm like, here's the thing. You should be able to do basic reloads with your eyes closed drawing your magazine and inserting and finding the way of inserting into the magwell in pitch darkness or low light capabilities. You don't need nods to practice that. You can do that at home. And it's a lot of just fine motor skills of being able to muscle memory, know where everything's at. And the point is, is I can throw a baseball up in the air and have a pretty good idea of where it's coming down at because it's muscle memory. I can tell whenever students haven't, they've gotten stuff, but they haven't trained with it by a lot of the way that they handle reloads because that's stuff that they can do. Now, granted that's stuff with their weapons, but what I'm saying is doing like laundry, you're using fine motor skills that we use every single day and doing a task that we normally do every day. And it kind of throws off how we move our heads. I mean, it's simple things that we don't even think about. I'm not even talking about just the ability of like processing stuff. You have to move your head. You have to adjust your head in different ways to be able to see something. So I, um, it's an over-exaggerated movement to move your head to orient to say, I'm looking at this while keeping my body facing forward. And this comes into play. The reason why I'm saying that is because you're sitting on a couch turning to grab laundry and assessing, I'm going to do all of the towels. So now I'm going and bringing all the towels. And this sounds a little Mr. Miyagi-ish, right? But as I do this and I'm folding towels, I'm getting used to orienting my body and being comfortable doing that. Um, I worked with a I worked with a team not too long ago, and they were having a hard tr- a hard problem. Um, they were having trouble of hey, this is my sector. Well, if I have stimulus to my right, they would just automatically turn to that. And I'm like, hang on, your sector is here. Why are you giving that up? Well, there's stuff over there. But does that need your attention or not? Well, I don't know. Exactly. Instead of leaving your sector, which you and I both know is a bad, that's bad. You don't leave your sector unless something really causes you to leave your sector of fire. Instead, 
why don't you turn your head and orient it in a way of saying, does this need my attention? No, it does not. So I haven't given anything up. And it sounds so simple. And that's actually basic stuff. But we, we tend to kind of overthink um, just little things. Anyway, so stuff around the house allow us to become very comfortable moving our head. And especially here's the thing, especially if you have a 14. Because this is why. If I have the 14 on my left eye, and if I need to look to the right, I have to over-exaggerate my head to get my left eye over to the see whatever's in front of me. Mm-hmm. Or opposite, if I have my right, if it's on my right eye and I have something to my seven o'clock, which is to the left and behind, I have to fully orient and I need to get used to doing how to do that. Because it might be something completely different. And than I've seen before. So anyway, that's just ways of doing it that don't that doesn't require anything cruel, crazy. Doesn't require a range. Doesn't require, um, you know, this big controlled training environment. Man, this is just normal everyday stuff that we just take. We uh, you know, sometimes we take for granted. For sure. Well, chance. I got one more. Back. Hang on, let's, I got one more. Hear. I got the efficiency thing. Let me go over that, okay. and we'll and we'll wrap it up. Yeah, you're good. <sighs> Get really, really, really good at daytime shooting. Get really, really good at nighttime and white light shooting. Hmm. And there will be hardly any learning curve. I don't want to say, I know I'm talking, I'm, I'm speaking very facetious and very like broad swath of the brush. You understand? Hmm. If you're really good effectively during the day and with white light, you will find how much of a little learning curve is to then have the basic understanding of operating with a weapon under night vision sure. because not much of the mechanics change and this is where i was teaching a class uh, i was teaching a civilian class and after the first night i was like what do we notice about what we did today and they were like man i thought it was going to be something different this is all stuff we do during the day and i'm like what'd you think it was gonna be you know what i mean i was kind of i mean I, I it was me not realizing um, you know, being from my world to this world, it was a little bit different, right? And I was kind of like, wait a minute, that didn't make sense to me. Like, what'd you think it was going to be? And he was legitimate. was like, I don't know. I thought it was going to be some great, like, flip of the switch knowledge that you were going to drop on us. And I, it hit me that it's like, no, dude, the only thing we're doing is we are enhancing our capabilities and all the principles that we do during the day. Mm-hmm. And we're just adding night vision to it. And an IR device. All the fundamentals stay the same. All the fundamentals stay the same, dude. All the fundamentals stay the same. So the reason why I compared it to the Matrix is it it seemed like he was waiting for that file to be uploaded into his brain, kind of like Trinity. And she's like, hey, I need to learn how to fly a chopper. She's like, okay, now I can do it. It's like that's that's not how it works. It's a hard skill. It's a hard skill that takes a lot of fundamental practice of mastering the fundamentals. You do that, and it will help implement and better yourself here. It's not like you can just be a mediocre shooter during the day and you're a mediocre shooter at night and then you're a mediocre shooter shooter with night vision. It's like, no, if you're a mediocre shooter during the day, you're probably going to be a bad shooter under night vision. Mm-hmm. So get to find motor skills during the daytime better and enhance those. So anyway, I wanted to throw that in. I want to throw that into it. But no, it's, a good, it's a good point. It's definitely a good point. So, well, man. Sorry, I'll let you close out. This is your this is your house, and I appreciate you having me, man. I'll let you know. Thank you for coming on, and we definitely got to talk about a, a whole lot more than than just night vision, which is always good. 
you know, every, everybody brings something different to the table, different experiences, different mindsets, different opinions. So it definitely, you know, helps, helps paint a picture for everybody else. Yeah, man. It's, I don't know when this is going to air, but I'll tell you this. Um, I think our world's changing right now and I don't know how dated that's going to be, you know, from six months to a year from now, but I'll tell you this, man, is the best thing I can tell. I try and tell my buddies and we all try and say is, man, do the best thing you can to make sure your home is in order. Make sure you are, everything is in good moral standing with you and whatever God or whatever deity that you believe in and whatever moral compass you have, ensure that it's lined up with something because, man, our world's changing. I don't know a lot of people remember 9-11, man, but I remember it. And that's kind of the vibes I'm getting. Um, it's just not directly on the home front, but a lot of that is the same that I think that I'm getting. So just make sure that we're all in order and we all are good people and be nice and be helpful to all those around you. So anyway, man, you are an absolute pleasure to be with. I had a lot of fun meeting you and getting to know you up there at HT, um, the HTA thing. And I appreciate you having me on. This was a, uh, it was a good time. And I feel I'm, I'm honored that you let me have this platform for a little bit. And we had a good discussion. I, ha- I feel really good about our discussion, man. Absolutely. Although we had a great conversation. You definitely brought a, you know, a ton to the table here. So I'm really excited for everybody to get to hear this and hopefully, I find myself on the road one day and I can check out Midwest Preparedness. <laughs> well, I think I'm actually bringing some night vision courses up to Ben Franklin soon. So um, I'm working with them on getting us back up there to run some um, some live fire night vision stuff. And we might do some night vision CQB stuff, but I kind of like, man, it's cool, but I'd rather do all the, the hard skills of like some live fires, um, live fire CQB marksmanship stuff. Sure. So, all right, man. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. This will come out uh, for our day this this coming Monday. Cool. So cool. the sixteenth. Good deal, man. Well, have fun and uh, dude. Uh, we'll talk offline sometime. And um, always enjoy. And I'm 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 glad to have met you. Glad to have met you. You're you're a good dude. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on, buddy. That's all I've got, guys, for episode twenty eight. Night vision, budgets, and more. As always, guys, train hard, train often. Tell me turn it down and I'ma only turn up louder yeah. Call me what you wanna but you can't call me no coward no. Strength in numbers, we the people still the ones with power Fighting fire with fire, time to take back what is ours yeah.